Please stand. Matthew 17, verse number 14. And when they were come, Jesus and a couple of his disciples, when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him thither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that hour, that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart later on, privately, and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would put before us perhaps something we've never considered before, but may the illustration be accurate and beneficial. May we grow in the Lord Jesus Christ to be better servants for the Lord. Give us great faith to expect marvelous things in tonight's service and, and throughout this weekend. We pray, Father, for souls to be saved and for revival in this community. We pray for a stirring of the, the, the Word of God in the hearts of the children of God. We ask, Lord, your blessing on our thoughts tonight and your working upon our thoughts tonight. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Four times the Bible uses these words, the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about the faith that Jesus must or might have had in God the Father, the faith of Jesus Christ. That's our subject for this evening. But there isn't a single scripture in all of the Word of God that uh, deals with our subject for this evening. Does that make sense? Pray for me. I'm glad there are a number of theologians here. I might need your assistance throughout the message, uh, uh, just straightening things out, and maybe others need uh, that help too. The four scriptures that I just referred to that speak of the faith of Jesus Christ are all talking about the faith which we have in Jesus Christ. For example, Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Galatians 3.22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin, mm -hmm. that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Tonight, I don't want to consider our saving faith in Christ Jesus, but rather the faith which Jesus himself might have had. 
might have had. Matthew 17 is a well-known scripture. It wasn't too long ago that I referred to it. Uh, it describes the failure of the disciples to heal a demon-possessed boy. But after the Lord returned following his transfiguration, he did cast the demon out of this, this lad. And the child was cured from that very hour. At that point, the disciples who were not with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples said to him, why could not we cast him out? And you know the Lord's response. He said, it's because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. I know that I have no right to say that Jesus healed the boy through or by way of his faith in God the Father. But I'm going to say it nevertheless. At the very least, I want to draw a parallel which I hope will be beneficial to all of us. The disciples failed to accomplish the miracle because they lacked a proper faith. But Jesus succeeded in casting out this, the demon. So let's just make a, a logical little step here and say, you failed because of unbelief. I succeeded because of my faith. We're using our minds here, not necessarily the scripture. <laughs> it's just a small logical step from the failure of the disciples to the success of the Lord Jesus. Whether it's strictly proper biblical theology, that's another matter. Let's start with just a few events from Jesus' life, some of the miracles which the Lord performed. But before we do, let me preface this by saying the Son of God or the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. I don't profess to understand the theanthropic person, how Jesus was both God and man. But he was. He was. Whether I can explain it or not. He was. And I don't know how to blend the divine with the human activities of the Lord Jesus during that three and a half year ministry. But nevertheless, I believe in both. So the, the question arises, were the miracles which Christ did... Were they done through his personal divine power? Or while in his humanity, did Jesus depend on the power and the authority of the Father and the Holy Spirit to do these miraculous things? Was it all on Jesus or was he empowered by the Spirit to do these things? You theologians have the answer. I move on. Do you remember what Jesus said at uh, his coming out party that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in uh, Luke chapter 4? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoting one of Isaiah's statements. There were several of them involved in that. What was the person, what was the purpose 
of the third person of the Trinity resting upon the second person of the Trinity? What was it all about? Would it be heresy to say that the Holy Spirit empowered the incarnate Son of God? You're all paying attention, but I'm not getting much response. And that's fine. I don't want to be disappointed at this point. Later, Peter said to Cornelius, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He went about doing good and healing because God was with him. Didn't the Baptist tell us in John 3.34 that the Holy Spirit was given to Christ Jesus without measure? And Jesus himself declared in Matthew 12, 28, and this is important, that he cast out devils by the Spirit of God. He said that. Jesus said that. I cast out devils by the Spirit of God. Now, if Jesus' ability to raise the dead and heal the sick came from the same God whom we serve, was Christ's access to that power Really, any different from ours? That's the question. At the very least, we have in Jesus illustrations of the kind of faith we should have. At the very least, illustrations. What was Christ's first recorded miracle? Anybody? Water into wine. Water into wine. There we go. How long did Jesus hesitate? contemplate, equivocate, before he told the servants, uh, go fill up those pots with water. Did he worry about it? Spend any time fretting? Was there any wavering? Was there any doubt in Jesus' mind what the governor of the feast was going to taste when a little bit of that was drawn out and given to him? If Andrew had been in charge that day instead of Jesus, we might be saying, wow, look at the faith that man had in the power of God. But we don't mention faith in regard to Jesus' miracle. We just revel in the authority and the power of the Son of God. He's God. He can do these sorts of things. Of course, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Water was going to become wine. But isn't that knowledge a part of faith? Think about it. At very least, it's linked to faith. We know without any doubt that God, God's will is always going to be done. We can pray with the expectation God's will is going to be done. Jesus changed his water into wine because he knew God's will was going to be done. Unfortunately for us, we don't have the details of God's will. We just know God is going to have his way. Yet we still reach out by faith, knowing that whatever is done, it is in accord with God's will. 
Matthew chapter 20, two blind men heard that Jesus was in the area. So they began to cry out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. I didn't take you to the scripture. I'm forcing you to think back. From what you remember, did Jesus fall on his knees and start begging the Father to grant him permission or power to heal these guys? He did not. He did not. The Bible simply says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Why can't I say that Jesus trusted God immediately and implicitly to heal those men with his touch. Is there something wrong with me saying that? If that is true, and Christ was dependent upon the Lord for the power of this miracle, then we should at the very least say that it was through his faith that they were healed. I know I'm pushing the envelope a little bit. <laughs> My point is, that is the kind of faith the Lord wants us to have. Yes. Early in his ministry, Jesus and the disciples retired to Peter's house for some rest and, and refreshment. When they arrived, they found that Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from COVID or RSV or some, something that caused her to have a high fever. What if Peter, fresh from witnessing the healing of the centurion's servant, had turned to Jesus and said, please give me the power to heal my mother-in-law? Wouldn't that win him some points at home? Never mind. If, if Peter had raised his mother-in-law from her sickbed, wouldn't it have been through his connection by faith to the power of God if Peter had done it? Sure. Yes. Did Christ raise up that woman through faith? At the very least, what Jesus did is an illustration. By whose authority did the Lord call Lazarus out of his tomb and out of four days of death? In addition to anything else involved, it was the will of God that Lazarus return to a few more years of earthly life. And if it was the will of the Godhead, then wasn't Jesus accessing that will through faith? Even if that is not true, if it had been John the Apostle calling Lazarus' name, it would have involved faith. And again, in the actual history, was there any hesitation on Jesus' part? He saw what was going on and he dealt with some of that. But when it came down to uh, the moment, he said, Lazarus, come forth. There was no hesitation there. Was there any doubt of the outcome? Remember, we need to remember that good Christians 
were not only telling the Lord that it couldn't be done, they were telling him that it shouldn't be done. Lord, he stinketh. Just as it was in the raising of Lazarus, even Christians today are saying it's no longer possible for God to do miraculous things in our lives. It, it, that's ancient history. That's biblical times. It doesn't belong for us, uh, to us today. But we do have access to the power of God when we are submissive to him and we reach out by faith. We could go through most of Jesus' three dozen miracles, but we won't. That's really not my purpose. But for the sake of tonight's lesson, let's just assume that Jesus' miracles always were carried out through faith. In that regard, our service should be like his example. When we pray for our sick friend, it should be with the same faith that was illustrated in Jesus' healings. More importantly, when we pray for the spiritual resurrection of our lost loved one, we need to pray in faith, trusting the Lord for a miracle greater than the healing of cancer, the salvation of a soul. With that, I come to several aspects of faith which are illustrated in Christ which should be found in us. First, the service of God belongs only to the children of God. Or, to put it biblically, to the sons of God. God can certainly enable donkeys to speak. And he can use lost people to preach the gospel, as in Judas. But as a general rule, the work of God is done through the sons of God. And Christ was the Son yes. of God. Herein he illustrates us. But does that mean that all the children of God are good servants? Does it mean that they all do miraculous things? Obviously not, because here in our text they failed. Even the apostles failed, raising the question, why could we not cast him out? To which the Lord's answer was, Unbelief. Before getting to the specifics which Jesus shared with the disciples that day, think about some of the attributes or characteristics of the Lord Jesus. First, for example, he was always at the absolute center of God's will. Yes, yes. Sure, <laughs> it may have been easier for him than for us, but, but still, that should be our goal every moment of every day. We may have to pray constantly, not my will, but thine be done. We also remember that Jesus, under the stress of Gethsemane, said the same thing. I know that it's somewhat simplistic to say, but being in the will of God makes faith and power relatively easy. I've already referred to Christ's omniscience, but exactly how perfect was that omniscience during the days of his humanity, you theologians? 
Scripture suggests that there were some limitations put on Jesus' knowledge. But let's say that Jesus knew beforehand exactly what would happen when he touched the uh, blind eye or the leper's skin. Knew exactly what was going to happen. Doesn't it become easy to have faith in something which is guaranteed? Isn't it easy to have faith in something which is foreknown? According to the book of Hebrews, that's really not faith at all. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Yes. The evidence of things as yet unseen. But you and I do know something whenever we step into the arena of faith. We know that our omnipotent God is already there. And we know that the Lord's will, whatever it is, is going to be done. Giving us grounds for faith. Helping us to trust. When Christ touched the hand of Peter's mother-in-law, he did so with confidence that she was going to be well. This is an essential element of faith. Confidence. We need to trust God, not with a hope that he will do things. We trust God to do them. Confidence. This is something for which we need to beseech the Lord because it is not natural to this sinful flesh. When the disciples ask, why could we not cast that demon out? Christ pointed to their lack of faith. And then he added two practical elements to strengthen that faith. Howbeit this kind go not, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Verse number 21. I won't try to tell you that the faith of Christ came by way of prayer and fasting. But I will tell you this, that Jesus was a man of prayer and fasting. I didn't count them, but I have read that there are more than two dozen of Jesus' prayers recorded in the Bible. And several of them are so awesome and reverent that they take our breath away. I think that of no other man could it ever be said, he truly prayed without ceasing. It could be said of Christ. Should be said of more of us. Is that why Jesus always knew the Father's will for the moment in time in which he stood at the moment? He's in constant contact with the Father. Was it Jesus' prayer life that filled him with faith and power to cast out demons and to raise the dead? I guarantee if we prayed as much as the Savior did, We'd be closer to the epicenter of God's power and the Lord would be doing more things through us than we actually see. Amen. It's our failure. Mm. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. I can't tell you how many days or weeks out of Jesus' three and a half years of ministry that he spent in fasting. But I think there were probably many days, many days, weeks. Of course, immediately after his baptism, 
The Lord Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, where he fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. That wasn't because he had put on a few pounds and he was trying to drop back down into his fighting weight. He was preparing for the spiritual battles which were going to take place over the next uh, uh, three and a half years. Would I be unbiblical in saying that Christ was preparing for the revival that was going to be sweeping around him for the next three and a half years? Can I use the word revival? Wasn't always pleasant. <laughs> no, for sure. Just like in our day, the Lord was going to face unbelief, governmental opposition, stones. He was going to be hated for righteousness' sake, which should be true of all of us. But Christ was going to see victories, and many people were going to be saved, as I hope we will see as we live out these last days of our lives, this life. Christ prepared for his battles with Satan through prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 4. And again, let us at the very least say that Jesus' victories illustrate the power we might have trusting the Lord. We are looking forward to God's blessings this coming weekend through the ministry of our brother from North Carolina. Amen. Towards those blessings, we have been praying for several weeks. And to this end, we have been invited to gather at the Kilgard's house at 4 o'clock on uh, uh, Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon before the meetings, Friday and Saturday. But I have to ask, and I do this as kindly and as lovingly as I can, believe me, I have to ask, why has there been more discussion about the food which will be available on those two yes. afternoons yes. than about things for which we should be praying. Yes. I got an amen. Why are we more concerned about sandwiches and chili than we are about lost souls yes. and pleading yes. for the power of God to fall on our speaker? Yes. Where are our priorities? Jesus spent days in prayer and fasting and he told his disciples, you didn't have any revival here today because of your lack of faith. You need to work on your lack of faith by prayer and fasting. You following me here? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we make any changes to the schedule for the next few days. Not at all. But I'm just... Uh, Aren't these questions appropriate? Yes. <laughs> first thing should be first. Yes, amen. Getting back to the Lord Jesus as an illustration of a man of faith, let me point out just one more thing. For the Son of God, faith, or if you like, trust, or perhaps communion with his Father, was as natural as breathing. It 
It wasn't something that he had to maintain. He was so near to God, it might be said that faith and heavenly communion were as natural to him as life itself. His faith wasn't something external that had to be added on because, oh, I got a period of uh, trouble coming up here. It was always there. When Paul told the Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, he was saying, endeavor to make the attributes of Christ a part of you. Be like the Lord. Be Christ-like. These things should so envelop our souls that the mind of Christ, the way of Christ, the faith of Christ should become a part of our very being. We are not sons of God in the same way that Jesus is the Son of God. But what I'm saying is that there are things which we see in His service to the Father which should be applied to us. And with that, I will shut my mouth.